Last week we finished up our series, uh, The Dead Sea Rules, and uh, number 10 was to praise. And uh, our, our, our memory verse was Psalm 34, verse 1. Psalm 34, verse 1. So would you say it with me? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I wonder as you went throughout this week, is that something that, that became more of a reality for you in your life? That, that you were blessing the Lord at all times, that his praise was continually on your lips, that, that as you went about your life, as you went about your daily business, whatever that might be, that you found yourself just thinking about and blessing the Lord and thanking him for all that he has done for you, all that he has blessed you with, and, and you even uh, found yourself just praising God for even some of the small stuff that might be happening or have happened in your life. And, uh, and you just found his praises continually on your lips. That's a beautiful thing to to, to practice. It's an amazing, an amazing truth that can happen in our life, that our life can be so filled up with God, that God would take so much resonance up in our heart and in our mouth, that out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth would speak his praise, because he alone is worthy, right? We just got done singing that. He is worthy. Yes, he is, and we would agree with that, and, uh, and as we live our lives, we have the opportunity to live that out in light of, of others around us. And, and uh, again, they may look at us and be like, dude, what is wrong with that person? They're happy. They are they're excited. There's something. I can see there's bad stuff going on in their life, and yet they have praise on their lips for God. What is that all about? And the beauty of that is, is that we have then an opportunity to share Christ with them. And we can say, you know, the difference is, is that Christ has taken up residence in my life. I have a relationship with Jesus, and he's so impacted my life that I can't help but smile about it, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of whatever I'm going through. I want to praise God because he's worthy. And, and even though, yes, what I'm going through stinks, and I don't like it, but there's something, I, I want you to know that there's something different. There's something different. That's Jesus. He's changed my life. And the beauty is, is that as we go about this life, we have this amazing opportunity to partner with God and be a part of what he's doing as he is spreading the news of Jesus all across the globe. And, and the beauty is, is that as we read, even from Revelation chapter 7, that there is a picture of, of this beautiful uh, worship time in heaven where every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people is there and represented at the throne room of God. And you and I get to be a part of seeing that become reality. And, and, and that happens as we share Christ. As we let his praises be continually on our lips, we have the opportunity to go and do what he's called us to do. There's some commands that God has given us. Matthew chapter 22 is one of those. Matthew 22, 34 through 40, he's asked, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Two imperatives, two commands Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. 
And then Jesus goes on later at the near the end of his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20. And he says to his disciples, and by extension you and I as his disciples today, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, teaching them. Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of this world. He has called us. He has commanded us. This is not a great option. This is not a great opinion. This is not a great suggestion. This is what we call the Great Commission. It is God commanding us to go and make disciples. And that word go, it actually has the idea of as you are going, wherever you go. So wherever you're at, whether it's at home or the grocery store or you're getting your oil changed or whatever it is you're doing, uh, you're, you're working at your workplace, you're in a school, whatever it is, wherever you're at, you have the opportunity to make disciples. And those disciples should be also making disciples. That's why we're here today is because Jesus made disciples who made disciples who made disciples to the point that you and I are sitting here today because of that very truth that making disciples that is a multiplying effect it is a contagious effect it's an amazing effect that happens as we're obedient to Jesus and we do what he calls us to do and then Jesus in that same time period has said to his disciples in Acts 1 verse 8 and this is our memory verse Acts 1 verse 8 and it says you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this is your memory verse for this next week because to realize the reality of what that means in our lives. You and I, if we know Jesus, we are his witnesses to everyone around us. Jerusalem, that's like our little, our city, our area. Sterling, Rock Falls, Dixon, wherever you come from, that's your Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, that's our state of Illinois. That's our nation as, as a whole. And, and we have the opportunity to be a witness wherever we go and share Christ with those around us. And then to the ends of the earth, it's kind of like what Elizabeth is doing. She's going to Guatemala. That may not feel like it to the ends of the earth, but that's outside of our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria. And wherever we go, as you go, and as you participate in what God is doing, understand that you are, you are involved in his mission. You're involved in spreading the good news of the gospel. And it's all about the very fact that his praise is continually on your lips. So as we are a part of this mission, think about it, it's the greatest mission ever. There's, there's never been a greater mission than this mission. This mission of going and loving God, loving people, doing something about all those things, going out and telling others the good news of the gospel. Those things are the things that you and I are called to do, commanded by Jesus to do as we go out and have the opportunity to share Christ with others. And yet it's a mission that's not yet complete. It's not done. We're still on mission There is a whole lot of people that have never heard about Jesus. 
And they need to hear. And how will they hear? The Bible tells us that they'll hear by us as people going out and spreading the good news. Blessed are the feet of those who go and spread good news. How will they hear? They'll hear because we go out and tell them. And so I encourage you as, as you think about this, this mission that we're a part of, you and I, we get to play a part in it. How awesome is that, that God wants to use you and I to be a part of what he's doing, not just here in our area, but around the world. You and I get to play a part in that. And you may think to yourself, man, I am so unworthy of that. I am so, I am so incapable of that. And you know what? The truth is, you're right. You're not worthy of it, and you are incapable of it. But guess what? Your worth, it's not about whether or not you think you're worthy or not. It's about what God thinks, and God thinks you're worthy. He, he thinks you're worthy enough that he died for you and that he sent, he, you know, Jesus died for you and rose again. He, that's how much worth you have in his eyes, and he wants to use you. And guess what? You may feel like you're not able to do it. You're inadequate to do it. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because when you're inadequate and you feel like you're inadequate, then you have to turn to someone or something to help you feel more adequate. And guess what? If you're feeling inadequate in the kingdom of God, the greatest thing you can do is turn to God and he will give you the strength to do what he calls you to do. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's not just some, some little memory verse that we like to quote. That's reality. He will equip you for whatever he calls you to do and he'll give you the words to say it when he wants you to say it and you get to be a part of it. And think about that. God is using the pinnacle of his creation, human beings, to go out into this world and be messengers for him. Corinthians calls us ambassadors, ambassadors for him. Man, we get to go out and we get to be uh, on mission. The question is, is are you playing your part? Are you playing your part? Every summer, my brothers and I and several neighborhood kids, this sounds crazy, but this is what we would do, not for fun, but this is what we would do to make a little extra money so that we could have some fun. We would bail hay. And, uh, and so we would bale hay. I would be out on the wagon because I couldn't be in the barn because I had allergies that were like to the point, like if I went in the barn and uh, everybody always razzed me about it. They were like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. You just don't like being up where it's all hot and all that kind of stuff. And you know, they just got on me about it. I'm like, whatever, leave me alone. Um, and, uh, and I got to be on the wagon and stack the hay bales um, and then my brother, one of my brothers would drive the tractor with the baler, and then we had another brother would drive another tractor and bring the hay to the mow, and we would hire our friends and throw them in the mow. <laughs> so that's so kind, wasn't it? Um, yeah, we would make them uh, unload the wagons and put it up in the hay mow, and uh, it would be, you know, 110, 115, 120 degrees up in there, and, uh, and we, we, you know, we're like, hey, uh, you want to get paid or not? Uh, yes, okay, then you're in the haymow. Boo-hoo, uh, you know, we're, we're the ones in charge. So anyway, um, but all of us had to play a part. Nobody got to go, uh, I'm not feeling it today, so I'm not going to show up. Uh, or, you know what, I'm going to take an extended break and uh, drink a whole bunch more water. No, everybody had to play their part. Everybody had to do their thing because if it was just me out there doing it, it was going to be really, really difficult to accomplish the mission. 
everybody had to play their part. Every single one of us is God's people. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you are called to play your part in this thing that he has given us this mission. So, so around here, what we do is, is we put this into a, a phrase. Um, all of these verses that I just went through, we put into a phrase. Many of you know the phrase uh, because you've been around here long enough, you know it. Uh, see everyone, love God, love people, and do something about it. And, uh, and so with that phrase, uh, one of the things that we did was we put some motions to that. And uh, for see everyone is, is goggles, like this, see everyone. All right, see everyone? See everyone? It's amazing. Some of y'all look closer, actually, with these goggles. It's weird. See everyone, all right? And then love God, hands up in the air, loving God, praising God. Uh, and then loving people is shoulder, hands around people's shoulders next to you and give them a hug. Give them a, you know, a little side hug or whatever. Uh, and then uh, doing something about it is, is locking arms together. And so we put our arms like this and we lock each other's arms together and we're doing something about it. So guess what? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Here we go. You're going to get this down. You got some weeks to get it down, but you're going to get it down. Are you ready? We'll go slow. Here we go. Seeing everyone. Good. Look around. Look at the person next to you. Don't they look weird? They look so weird. All right. Seeing everyone. Good. Love God. Love God. Good. All right. Love people. Put your arms around the people next to you. Give them a big hug, whatever. Uh, give them a big hug. Be like, I love you. Um, good. Love God. Love people. And then it's do something about it. So interlock arms with the person next to you and do something about it. All right. Good. All right. So let's go a little faster. Here we go. Ready? See everyone, love God, love people, squeeze, and do something about it. Very good. All right, have a seat. Nice job. So, so, so when you think about those words, seeing everyone, love God, love people, do something about it, you're actually... Those are referring back to those verses that we just talked about, Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 28, Acts chapter 1. All of those are in this of seeing everyone love God, love people, and do something about it. So our prayer is over the next few weeks as we dive into each one of these parts a little bit deeper, is that you would, that you would internalize it. That it would become more than just words. It would become a lifestyle for you. It would become your life's mission. It would become what you strive to do in every place that you are. Being the church every day, everywhere. And realizing that every single one of us can practice see everyone, love God, love people, and do something about it. And as we do, we play a part in something much, much bigger than ourselves. Because this is not just harvest time. This is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is not just us sitting here in this room or those watching online. It is universal. And there are bodies, little local bodies of Christ all over the world. Sometimes, some of the places, some of the most remote places of the world, there's a body of Christ there, even if it's just one or two, three that are there. 
And they're striving to do these things, even though they may not know these words of see everyone, love God, love people, do something about it. They're striving to live out Matthew 22, Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1. They're striving to do that, and we get to play a part. So our prayer is is that there would be this internalizing of it. There would be this light bulb moment for you, this aha moment for you, that you would go, wow, I want to be a part of that. I want to be doing my part in that. And so let's look at this first part, see everyone. See everyone. What, what does that mean to see everyone? Well, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, as he's saying, go and make disciples, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. That, that, that word nations in the original language Greek is ethnos, and what it's talking about literally is every person, all people. That's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, when he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, that word neighbor has the same idea. Everyone is my neighbor. Won't you be, won't you be my neighbor? Everybody's your neighbor. Even the person you can't stand. Jesus even said it. You've heard, hate your enemies. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that individual who who drives you nuts, who does all kinds of things to get under your skin, they're your neighbor. They're part of the everyone. Even the person that that you look at and you go, you know what, I can't stand that individual because of the way they're living their life. I can't stand that individual because of the label that they have on their life. Every single person on this planet deserves to know who Jesus is. Every single person on this planet deserves to be loved Because God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved a select group of human beings. No matter what Calvinists or Arminius think, Jesus was neither of them. Jesus loved everyone. And he demonstrated that love in the greatest way possible. He gave his life. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for another. And Jesus laid down his life for everyone. No matter whether you agree with them or not, no matter if you dot all your I's and cross all your T's, exactly the same, Jesus died for everyone. And Jesus' desire is that everyone would come to put their faith and trust in Christ. In order for that to happen, we must be willing to see everyone. To see everyone. So if you would, turn quickly, if you would, to Luke chapter 19. I'm not going to go through this whole story because most of you know it, but there's a man named Zacchaeus that Jesus has an encounter with. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He is the worst of the worst in their society. He is hated by the Jews. He's hated by the Romans. He's hated by people because he is 
really stealing from people, stealing from his own people. He's working for the government. It is, it is a bad situation for Zacchaeus, and yet he is a man who wants to see Jesus. And so he goes to see Jesus, but we sing the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And, you know, we, we sang that when we were kids, right? Uh, and Zacchaeus saw a sycamore, a sycamore tree, so he decided to climb it in order to see Jesus. This guy was determined. Like, seriously, I mean, there's so many people around Jesus. He can't see Jesus because he's, he's shorter. Some of y'all can understand that, right? Some of you are like, hey, don't make fun. I'm not making fun of you. It's just a reality. You're shorter than other people. No big deal. Um, so this guy, Zacchaeus, is that, and he does whatever is necessary to see Jesus. The beautiful thing is, is that as he's seeking him, one of the things I love about Jesus is this very fact of what he does. And so look at verse 4. So he ran on ahead. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see Jesus as he was passing by. When Jesus came to the place, this phrase, he looked up. Jesus looked up. That, that phrase is, is so important. It is used either he looked up or Jesus saw. It is over and over and over again. Over 30 times that phrase, those words are used throughout the Gospels. Why is that significant? Because it was Jesus fixing his eyes on someone. It wasn't just a regular look and see. It was Jesus fixing his eyes, riveting his eyes on, looking intensely. It has the idea of a double take. And it has the idea of intentionality. And Jesus intentionally looks up and sees Zacchaeus. And over and over and over again, this happens where Jesus intentionally looks at, sees men, women, children, tax collectors, demon-possessed, those in sexual sin, those with physical struggles, those who were Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, religious leaders. The list continues to go on and on. Jesus would intentionally not just look, but gaze at them, intensely looking at them. And he chose intentionally to do that. That's what seeing everyone, that's what that see everyone is all about, is, is am I intentionally looking up? Am I intentionally seeing people? Am I, am I like Jesus, willing to see those who I may not have seen before, who I may not have paid any attention to before, who I may have overlooked before? Am I willing to, like Jesus, intentionally look to them? Think about the woman at the well. Jesus says, I have to go. I need to go through Samaria. He has an interaction with her, someone who is rejected by society, and yet he loves on her, cares for her. 
sees her. Jesus was a master of that. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what was going on in their life. It didn't matter what was the way that they were living their life. That, that, that stuff didn't keep him from seeing them. But the beauty of Jesus is not only did he see everyone, that's so important that we're willing to go, God, help me to see people around me. Help me to intentionally look at those who I've not looked at before. Help me to intentionally be willing to, to address whatever it is that's going on in someone else's life around me that I've been maybe ignoring or I haven't even been paying attention to or whatever. It, it's not just that. It's also the way that he saw them. The heart behind the sight. The, the, the why behind the why, the what of him looking. And, and I love the example that, 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 so we just don't think that this is just a Jesus thing, but we realize that these guys who were hanging out with Jesus, if you would turn to Acts chapter 3, these guys who were hanging out with Jesus, they, they were just regular Joes like you and me. They, they were just regular Marys like you and me. They were just people that, that, that were just regular people that hung out with Jesus. And Jesus so rubbed off on them. Jesus had made disciples out of them. They were following after Jesus. They were striving to live their lives like Jesus. And in Acts chapter 3, we find Peter and John. Verse 1 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid, look at this, daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful. He was, he was asking for alms of those entering the temple. So, so this is a guy who every single day is laid at the gate that goes into the temple. And Peter and John had to have gone past him several times. Because this is a regular thing for them. And yet in this day, in this moment, in this time, something different happens. Verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And look what it says. And Peter directed his gaze at him. Directed his gaze. That phrase is the exact same original language phrase as Jesus looked up. Peter, for the first time with this man, looked, saw him, intensely saw him, intentionally saw him, and he turns to him and he has a conversation with him, but not just him. Notice what else it says. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And they said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them, interesting, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, raised him up, immediately can you imagine seeing this? Immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong. I love this dude's reaction. <laughs> this is so cool. Leaping up, 
This guy has been lame since birth. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk, entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. (laughs) What? How amazing is that? These two guys saw him. And they paid attention to his need. And they met him at his need. And they... They didn't offer him silver and gold. They offered him a relationship with Jesus. They offered him healing physically, and this man took it. And and it transformed his life. And it transformed others' lives around them. Again, go back to Jesus. Same thing would happen over and over and over again with Jesus. That woman at the well that Jesus met. She would become one of the first evangelists, and she would go back into her town and tell everybody, hey, you've got to come see this guy who told me about my life, who I want you to know and I want you to see. And, and, and what a beautiful thing, what an amazing thing happens when we're willing to see everyone. We're willing to see everyone. But there's two heart attitudes here that are so important. Let me go through them quick. Number one. To see people for their needs, not your inconvenience. Helping people is inconvenient. It is. It's going to take your time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take money, potentially. It's going to take your energy. It's going to take whatever. And they didn't see this as, oh man, here's this guy asking again. Hey, guy, get a job. What's your problem? Get a job. There's lots of jobs out there. Just go get one. Kids, kids, lock the doors. Keep the doors shut on the van. We're on our way to church. We can't stop and help this guy. Why why do I say those things? Because I know I've been guilty of saying that. I've been guilty of thinking that been guilty of even living that. Now, now I'm, too, I'm too much of a hurry right now to be able to deal with that in you. To see people for their need, not your inconvenience. And then second, to see people for their potential, not their problems. To see people for their potential and not their problems It would not have been hard to see this guy's problems. A a hopeless case, a man to be pitied. But when Peter really sees him, really does that Holy Spirit-inspired double take, he sees more than weak ankles, more than useless limbs, more than a chance to argue with John about whose fault is this guy's condition. Have you ever been tempted to define people by their brokenness? Have you ever been tempted to define people by their sin? The religious leaders of that day had made it into an art form. This man receives sinners and eats with them. They're talking about Jesus. I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. Some of them would stand and pray. 
If he were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is. For to follow Jesus and all of our values, we're going to have to choose a different attitude. We cannot define people by their brokenness, their sin, or their past. We must define them by their Savior. By their Savior. And are we willing to look at people that way? Are we willing to see people that way? How how are you seeing people? And look what it leads to. It leads to change. It leads to incredible change in that moment. How are you doing at seeing people? Are they just some distant thing? I've heard this phrase used over and over in the past few years. Well, it doesn't affect me. It's not my problem. Oh, really? I'd say, you know, I, I used to think, I remember thinking about international missions and going to some place to see what God was doing in places that, that I'd never been. And people to me in this world, this big world in which we live, for me growing up, it was just pictures on National Geographic or some, some uh, commercial that was on TV that made them all into, you know, just woe is me kind of thing. And I remember the first time in 2010 having the opportunity to go out of our context of the United States into another one and see people. And man, God worked me over. Worked me over. I'm not there yet. I still have a long way to go. God is still working in me. There's people that I struggle with and trying to connect with or even thinking about connecting with. There's people that, that I, I just don't understand the way they live or the things that they do. And I just don't, I, I don't even, sometimes don't even take the time to try to just sit down and just have a conversation. And just try to see people through the eyes of Jesus rather than through my own. It's hard. It's really hard. Can I ask you a question? Who do you need to see? Where you ask, are you willing to ask God, God, help me to see people around me? I had asked earlier to ask God to speak to your heart. I wonder, what is it he's speaking to you about today? What is he speaking to you about today? What is he revealing to you today? And are you willing to ask God, God, help me to share it with somebody. Help me to be willing to to share that with someone. And uh, again, I, I don't know your heart. Don't have to. God does. But I wonder if we're willing to see everyone see everyone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus. God, you know our hearts. You know the truth and reality of of this whole thing of see everyone in our life. Are we willing to see? Are we willing to let our eyes be open to the needs around us? Are we willing to, to be open to to what it is to, to know people, to get to know people, to, 
ask questions, to meet people where they're at, like Jesus did. And he would, he was a master of that. He would meet people right where they were at. He would have conversation with them. He'd build relationship with them. And, and God, thank you that, that he didn't leave them where they were at. He would challenge them to the next level. God, I, I thank you for that. And Lord, as we dive into these things, would you help us to be willing to continually ask you to speak to our hearts? God, you're good. Thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name I pray. Hey, if you're here today, and before you guys, just keep your eyes closed, heads bowed if you would. Um, there's going to be a song, our theme song is going to be played here in just a moment. And for you just to sit, just listen. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's your first step. If you don't know him, put your faith and trust in him. Let him change your life. Start a relationship with you. If you do know him, are you willing to ask him, God, help me to see people. And if he's laying on your heart some people he needs you to see, then ask him, God, help me to go to those people. So if you want, in just this moment, as the worship team's leading, you can just keep your eyes closed, just listen to the words of the song. The words will be up on the wall. Um, but just listen and let God work in your heart.